Welcome to TA1, everything you wanted to know about adventure racing and then some. I'm your host, the legendary Randy Erickson. I have my co-host, Jimmy and Stevie are here with me, so if you hear a little chirping in the background, that's why. Hope everybody had a good Merry Christmas and got lots of gear and are all pumped up for the coming season. And if you are, oh, what a segue, you might want to think about uh, C2C in Florida uh, today's guest, Ron England, is the race director and has been spending a lot of time mapping. We, we actually talk a lot about um, navigation in Florida and how, to, how do you do that when there's not a hill to be found. So kind of an interesting conversation about how you navigate in Florida. And we talk about how I don't know that Florida is hard to be an adventure racer in, and it is. So, in its own own way, it has its uh, special little details that you need to learn. So, an interesting uh, chat with Ron, who's obviously bullish on on the um, upcoming season and adventure racing in general. So, uh, that means it's time to tell you to go fast, take chances, and enjoy the podcast. Thanks for listening. Hey, Randy. I came from California. Oh. <laughs> Isn't that weird? So that's kind of strange because that's like the third time I dialed and it, it kept going to your voicemail. That so. is. Oh, well, maybe it didn't catch the hang-up or something. My, my cell phone is always fun. <laughs> yeah. And technology, isn't it wonderful? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, how are you? Pretty good. I just, yeah. just got out of the woods myself. I was actually working on two races, though. So. So, the Heart Island Heartbreaker. You know, I was getting put, you know, doing doing the mapping because it's very neat. Yeah, that's a fun part of the racing. You just got to actually go out and map these places too. So, um, well, that's interesting. I mean, so there's not any kind of uh, you can't get a USGS map or something of the area. Well, we do um, get a USGS map and then an aerial both. But um, usually, I'll go out and um, and put all the the trail network in and all the you know. Our, some is single track and some is uh, double track, and, and just try to get everything so because I like the I like the maps to be as accurate as possible. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Is that because? Don't take this the wrong way, but you guys don't have any uh, terrain elevation to work with. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much part of it too. Yeah, there's okay. not. I mean, there is some elevation here, like the one that I was working on. There are some spots where you could actually work off the elevation, but it's not like you know, places where you actually have real elevation differences and yeah. you can use that as your primary navigation. Yeah, um, you know, vegetation features. We use a lot of aerial maps here because okay. um, the vegetation differences are good there. And it's just a matter of, it, it's nice to have the roads on there because then it's kind of fair for teams that they, they can, you know, it's obviously faster to go by road if there's one there, you know, or trail if there's one there. Yeah. So. Huh. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, what we run into here is, you know, a thousand miles of roads on the ground that aren't on maps. So yeah. 
and then and then every once in a while something that's on a map you know doesn't it it never matches up so we always tell people use the terrain <laughs> use the terrain I, well i go i mean we do go out and um I, for most of the race like this the race i was mapping today is like a six hour elite so uh-huh. you're really talking about maybe um you know 20 10 20 square k of of area that you're having to map so yeah. I get out there on the bike and hit as much as possible and then go out later on foot and hit all the little side trails that I didn't get there. And, try, uh, and the nice thing is I end up with a really nice map. Yeah, it would be. It'd be. I don't know how – I wouldn't know how to use a map like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, no. it's like, where are the contours? Oh, yeah. there, there's one. When... <laughs> so I literally have some maps that have – one to two contours on the map, completely. Yeah, that's it. One to two contours. Wow. So you have that's to a... read. Yeah, reading vegetation is. Uh, and re- I'll tell you, I, I've raced in a lot of places. Reading vegetation without any contour is a lot tougher than having those contours to, to work with. Oh, yeah. You know, and that's kind of, you know, until we started talking about it, I never really thought about that. That how are you going to navigate there? So it, it, I guess every place has their own little. Uh, their challenges are for navigation, yep. huh? Yeah. So I'm going to assume that you think that uh, adventure racing is a is a growing proposition, huh? Um, well, yeah, because well, it, it is down here. It, it it had a little peak and then it kind of valleyed off and then it went down a little bit. And um, we're seeing we're you know we're actually pushing growth in adventure racing here by um, targeting. More of the, uh, we, I mean, we just had our first fam, our, our first family race of this season, and I mean, literally a family race. It's like a one-hour race, and you race with. Yeah. We had the youngest kid out there was five racing with right. parents, and um, what we've done is try to remove the barrier of entry to the sport a little bit, because yeah. in a lot of us, we you know, we've been racing in these long and challenging races and forget the fact that to most people that seems literally impossible. What you're doing mm-hmm. is not even humanly possible. And, you know, I think most of us progressed up to, we didn't start out with a 72-hour or a you know, 10-day race. We probably started yeah. with something a little shorter and this progressed. And we're, tr- um, we're trying to make that progression a little bit more natural. Or e- sure. I say natural, easy. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, way to get into it. Although, quite honestly, a lot of you weird adventure racing people's first race was an expedition race, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, back in the, I mean, some of us remember back the to day. the old days. Yeah, I mean, like when you've yeah. been racing for 15 to 20 years, you go back and go, mm-hmm. I remember when we had only black and white maps at 1 to 100,000 scale, and they weren't even correct. <laughs> And we finished yeah. the race. <laughs> yeah, we had we had hobnail boots and war wool. Yeah, I remember yeah. going out and what on I had. You know, I had on a, a pair of khakis and a belt, <laughs> and on my well. belt I had a knife <laughs> and a canteen. <laughs> and that yeah. was actually an adventure race, you know. And now it's like, oh, we have a go, we have an ultralight pack, and yeah. um, you know. But it yeah. was like that at the very beginning. It, you know, you just kind of went out and you just hammered through whatever the hell you had to go through. Well, you did. You just did what you had to do. So yep. um, just just to go on a little bit of a tangent here since we're talking about starting racers, I've just been involved with a discussion on Facebook. Some guys posted, 
What do you think it would cost to start? He's here. What do you think it would cost to do an expedition race like Alaska or Patagonia, starting with nothing, like with zero nothing. gear? So, my guess was sixty uh, k for for Alaska and eighty k for Patagonia. Yeah, without all the gear and other stuff. That you, uh. I mean, um, it's tough because I mean, oh. here got well. There's there's two things. One is the actual gear, and you're talking about actually starting to you know starting being a racer with zero. Yeah, you know, that's what nothing. he's talking about. Yeah, yeah. you um, well. <laughs> Starting at zero. Hopefully, you're starting at zero and with within good physical condition because yeah, let's yeah. Hopefully, yeah. I think though. I mean, when um, because let's see, I've done Patagonia and oh, well. I mean, the most expensive race I think I ever did was Primal. Primal was always expensive. Yeah. And um, you know, between the race fee, which was was you know usually between a thousand and two thousand a person, yeah. and then getting the team together, since usually your team isn't all living in the same place for a couple of training mm-hmm. events, which you usually had to fly to. There's another. You know, and then lodging and all that. So, yeah. um, when I was all said and done, I actually tallied up um, the last Primal Quest I did, and it was about 24k. And I had wow. gear, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I did take my family with me, so that did kind of jack the cost up a little bit. <laughs> they didn't do it right, yeah. but they actually went out to the Primal Quest with me, and we had to supply a crew because it was a crew oh, race. Yeah. So that got kind so. of expensive because they drove out there because we had to have a, a vehicle and a trailer. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah I mean, so. it got expensive. Well, it is. It's it's not a cheap race. And I I mean, I can't imagine starting from scratch. I mean, if you had a budget, that would really be fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you have an unlimited budget, then this is definitely yeah. a sport for you. But uh, yeah. uh, most people tend to kind of accumulate and build to a certain level to do it. Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. I'm planning on going to Alaska this year, and that's um, I mean, the most expensive the, the race fee. I mean, it's the flight out there that's kind of the most expensive single cost item because yeah. it's not, you know you, you're not you can't just fly there. You have to fly there and all the gear. You got to get out there too. So it's, it's yeah. you and a lot of stuff. Well, yeah, and you don't get a break traveling in the U.S. You know, at least going overseas, you get you know some oh, luggage yeah. allowance so i love flying land <laughs> you know yeah. hey, bikes are, or air mexico bikes are free yeah, yeah. i wish yeah, air mexico I saw went belly up <laughs> i wish air mexico flew from orlando to you know to montana that would be awesome <laughs> yeah that would be air montana yeah air montana so, yeah so um well let's how did you get into this crazy world that we live in um, adventure racing adventure racing well you know i actually yeah. had to seek it out i saw somewhere uh, you know i don't remember where it was i saw it like in a in a paper or something that uh, somebody was having some new form of racing out at a ranch somewhere in oviedo close to where i lived and then i spent um about six months which i shouldn't have, you know it seems like you know you'd be able to find it through advertising and stuff but i spent six months mm-hmm. trying to track down what the heck was going on you know what was there, and then I found it. And um, once I and I, you know, I went out and tried one, and you know, it just completely got brutalized. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> Certain personality types, you know, run into that. It's like, oh, yes. we could barely finish, but we did end up getting completely sloshed in a creek, and uh, and we came back with lots of bruises and scars. And it was uh, what you wanted to do. 
and yeah. you know, from and then so that was Dana Allen back in the days of Extreme Challenge, and uh, you know, then there was the Toyota Tundras, and which was kind of a, you know, a hybrid, uh, more of a hybrid triathlon adventure style challenge thing. But uh, I mean, Dana put on uh, real adventure races and with you know absolutely horrendous maps and uh, incredibly hard courses and. <laughs> Um, and, you know, maybe about 5% of the people actually finished one of his races. It was, uh, uh, but it was, it was a great time. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that is what you say. It's, it's, it takes a kind of a, a particular person to, to get into this. So, well, when was that? Did you start? Oh, uh, that would have been, oh my gosh. Um, 90, ooh, like 93, 94. Right around that time frame, I think it was long like '94. Yeah. That was a long time so ago. You, How long was that? Twenty years? E. Long time. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it <laughs> How long? Is, you know, I, yeah. I got these I hate being the old phone. Like, about. Yeah. Well, you, you know, you got these T-shirts that have got dates on it, and people look at them. You wear them to a race, and people are like, I got, I, mean, I got some of the old Toyota Tundra shirts. And, uh, you know, they used to get out these really awesome bike jerseys at the races and a bag and all this other stuff. And, and the swag bag was awesome. And, um, and it's got the dates on some of them. And people are like, that, that was an adventure race? It, it, they were doing that back then? So, yeah, before cell phones? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> before the Internet? How did you do it? Yeah, how did, so. how did you even find them? And that was actually, when, you know, like the first Extreme Challenge race. I, we didn't have Google to go look it up. You yeah. had to actually find somebody who knew what was going on, and, and, and I eventually found it by driving out to the ranch that I had heard it was at and going up to the guy who owned the ranch and said, oh, yeah, yep, yep, they had a race out here. I'm like, Can wow. you give me the number? <laughs> and that's how that's I found amazing. it. Yeah. Well, I can remember in, I would guess, the mid-'90s trying to find some information on the Internet yeah, nobody can see my air quotes. And I found one one page of a listing of races on a Harvard like listserv. And and that was it. So you know. You you kids today you don't know how good you have it. <laughs> yeah. That's why uh, you just hit the Google and you can pretty much find everything that you want to find. Yeah. Or just go to Facebook and somebody's gonna be putting something out and wanting to do something and and uh yeah sounds cool so when was your first let's call it say an expedition race how, how long how long did that take you <laughs> um well my i mean my first race um actual race above you know like a regular just sprint six to ten out eight hour race was uh the seat it was the atlantic coast conquest but it was called the coastal assault at the time mm -hmm. and that was a 24 and at the time that i did it i didn't think it was actually possible for anybody to actually do a 24-hour race, I kind of thought it was a joke. And we, you know, we got to the start, and as it turns out, um, you know, there were 20 some odd other teams there, and I had a team that I had just put together. About halfway through the uh, race, one of the uh, teammates uh, completely locked up and had to drop out. Our crew quit on us about uh, another five hours, six hours later. So we no longer, and it was a crewed race, so we no longer had a crew. Um, so we decided we'd have to carry everything there. On the last leg of the race, my partner, who was running behind me, laid down on the beach and went to sleep. And I kept running, thinking he was still there. I got to the finish line, and I was all by myself in the dark. 
And uh, and uh, it was uh, strange. You know, <laughs> it was yeah. actually how it how it worked. And um, I got to the finish line, and the guy and uh, the people there were kind of sleepy eyed, looking at me, going, uh, "Weren't you with another person?" And I turned turned around, and I could see lights off in the distance, you know, bobbing headlamps because it was still dark. So I ran back, and it was somebody else. And I ran back, and it was somebody else. And I ran back, and it was somebody else. And um, eventually, I saw somebody. Um, laying on like a, on, underneath the boardwalk, um, had the light still on, or otherwise I never would have seen him. Went over and he was there sleeping. So I woke him up and we uh, we went back to the finish line and uh, finished. Wow. <laughs> this is what happened. Weird. That's, that's a. So much for okay, keeping the team within 100 yards, right? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's okay. That's a first. I think, yeah. Uh, of your teammate falling asleep so you couldn't finish but yeah well so. i mean i didn't even know i mean i was like i was just running i was kind of drowsy yeah. and i was running along and i got to that finish line and i was happy and uh i was pretty sure he was right there with me but he wasn't and, uh, but he yeah. was okay and we were on the beach so it wasn't like something yeah. could actually do but yeah. uh, it was yeah. like an eight mile beach run you know the traditional florida ending run along the beach, along the beach. So. <laughs> that's what we do so well that let me ask you that is our races in florida different because of that or i mean is there a typical florida race compared to you know they are different i mean having a lot of races in a lot of different locations and and i I love the mountain races i mean i just love being able to get there and do that and there's but there's something to be said about the typical florida race um, well, one, it's nice and warm down here a lot. So um, even yeah. though you can get hypothermic pretty bad at night if you're in the winter and you don't really think that it's going to get cold, it does. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, having to, you know, the terrain challenges are the vegetation and mm-hmm. the water because, um, you know, we're, we're going to probably have four or five water crossings in, in sections. And it's just, you know, just the way it is. And sometimes those water crossings look pretty not yet. Crossing a mountain stream is one thing, unless it's, like, raging. But yeah. getting to the edge of what looks like a slimy green swamp with things moving in it has its own <laughs> unique challenge. You know, you get there like, oh, uh, we're gonna, supposed to get across that? Really? Yeah. And, so. you know, people from Florida that race down here just, oh, yep, 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 they'll move. Don't worry. Whatever it is in there, so. it'll get out of the way. Huh, that, yeah. So... Um... Is is it a big home court advantage? Like, say somebody somebody comes from Colorado to do do a race for you, are they kind of screwed? <laughs> um, sometimes they really. Um, sometimes they are. People that have been down here and have raced down here kind of they adapt relatively quickly to it. But yeah, um, as you come down here and you're so used to using those contours to help you figure something out, and you get down here and there's no contours. And you're trying to keep a bearing for, you know, two and a half kilometers to get to some spot. And you're in ankle-deep water most of the way. And there's a bunch of, you know, it's, you know, just trees and other things that are there. And you're just, it's just, it, it's a little bit more challenging to do that. It's a different yeah. kind of challenge. You know, yeah. instead of having to deal with the climb and then the drop and the steepness and the terrain that way, you have to just be able to keep that nice straight track as best you can. And, you know, we got palmettos that, uh, you know, we, we have the, the vegetation. Everything here um, wants to cut you. It, uh, mm-hmm. you know, most of the vegetation is palmettos, which are soft, 
sawtooth, little yeah. small saws that we keep. And uh, but when you're down here a lot, you learn how to run through palmettos. There is a way to do it. Because wow. palmettos are soft underneath. They're just hard if you come down on them from the top. So you learn to push the palmettos up as you move through them. And uh, you also learn to wear gaiters for a reason other than snow. Because <laughs> <laughs> they'll protect your legs a little bit. So, but, you know, I've, had, I've, I've been ripped up pretty good in, in a lot of other races. I remember uh, the, the Nationals in Kentucky and like yeah. some of those briar fields ripped me up a few times. Even through the so, gators. So, well, yeah, we all, we all have our. Every place has its unique challenges. I'm just, yep. I'm quite honestly, I'm kind of fascinated because I, you know, I've got my stereotypical thing of, well, I look at the races down there, and and I won't, I I do think they look hard, but and in some ways they're like, well, but there's no mountains and there's, so you, I, I think I have a little prejudice, and it's interesting to. I'm sh- I'm sure it's much much harder than a lot of us think. Yeah. So. Right. Well, you know, it is, what it is about everything, especially in adventure racing, is is that all the teams are always going to push the terrain, push through that terrain as fast as they possibly can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you're in the mountains, everybody else is going through the mountains too. Yeah. So that's the true. challenge is always relative. When you come down here, you don't have the mountains, but you've got some. Um, thick vegetation and a couple of water crossings and lakes and you know, Florida is all about water and a lot of yeah. it's about swamp but about water um, mm-hmm. and all the teams are going to push at the same level that they can that they can push and so you a lot of times like in Florida I usually can move very fast I mean you know, the, the, our typical pace in a Florida race is probably 20 30 percent faster than what you do when you've got um, a lot of climb and other things to deal with yeah. Yeah. Um, but everybody else is doing thirty percent faster too. <laughs> you've no, got so you gotta be, even. And we yeah, didn't have you gotta be thirty five percent. Yeah. And everybody gets shocked when they come down here and they and they're like, Oh man, the bike ride's gonna be so easy. We don't have any hills to climb. Yeah. And uh, we're like, Oh, you have no idea. I'd much rather climb a hill than do what you're gonna do and you don't even know what it is yet. <laughs> and they get out there on the course and they hit the first patch of sugar sand. And just come to yeah. a dead stop. <laughs> and yeah. they're going, oh, okay, well, we'll just, you know, it can't possibly last that long. We'll just push through the sugar sand. And, you know, three miles later, they're completely spent pushing through the sugar sand. And, um, you know, I'm usually walking along with the bike across my back going, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've learned the sugar, sometimes the sugar sand is just not worth chunking it through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have always been of the, mindset that if you see a local doing something that's probably what you ought to be doing yeah it's probably what you <laughs> want to do too yeah that's uh yeah and i, I just spent uh I spent a good chunk of the day <laughs> riding through sugar <laughs> so. <laughs> so you're well aware of it so um is c to c the big race of the year for you guys c to c is our big race yeah florida extreme yeah. um um is our big florida race uh, it's the 72 mm-hmm. hour and uh um, I'm actually setting the course this year with um, three other guys, and we we met last night, and we're putting you know, we're, we're finalizing pieces of the course and trying to make it. Um, there's you know we what we do is you know like any big race you you lay the thing out in general and then you start putting in the details and I was really I'm really happy with the details. There's some cool areas. Um, yeah, we, we've got a few sections that are going to be tough. 
probably not as tough as it is when we went through there because we actually went out there with uh, chainsaws and axes to take down some so that you can get through. Oh wow! In machetes. So yeah, we do, we do actually when we when we set the sea to sea, we do spend a little bit of time going out and making sure the areas that we're taking you through are actually you can get through them. So, um, which which does take a little bit of effort. But. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes in racing, you you really do wonder. It is like, are we, can we really do this? I mean, you know, theoretically, yes, you can. But <laughs> I guess with you guys, you, they know that they'll be able to. Yeah, well, my, I mean, the first sea to sea I did, um, I mean, first it was coast to coast back then. Um, there was the what they and, and there was the Oklahoma River bike whack, and it was and there was only one reason to do it because you could easily ride three miles around this bike whack, but and the race director said, I'd rather take you along the edge of the Oklahoma River, which is basically very hard swamp to get through even without a bike. And you're through the checkpoints there so that you had to go that route. And um, it was it was about two and a half miles. It was about a six-hour bike whack, um, wow. you know, carrying a bike. And uh, and the fun thing, it actually ended up being, I mean, you got through it, and you, you survived it, and then you come out the other side, and everybody else is, you were in there with a bunch of other people, and you could hear people cussing and grunting, and and I mean, it was there was only one purpose to that, and was to, you know, to weed out some of the weaker teams. And that was back in the day when you know the philosophy was, okay, we must weed out the weak, we must not yeah. finish. And you know now I'd actually rather like to see all the teams finish, and you, you the, the the top level elite teams are going to get through pretty much whatever you put them into. Mm-hmm. They're they're tough, you know. Yeah. But you know, there's if you, if the sport's going to actually grow and survive, um, it, it can't be just the point oh one percent of the population that's capable of of making it through a race, or you know point oh oh one or whatever it is. Yeah. Well, do you? Th- so I, w- I want to talk about this a little bit. But you've just you've kind of you guys like started a new business and taking over these races. Is that is that? Right. <laughs> yep. We uh, took over well, Pangea, and we're actually kind of consolidating a number of different operations here mm-hmm. in Florida um, underneath a single umbrella. What we did is we got um, a group of ten core, very experienced adventure racers, and we actually went in together. So it wasn't really relying on one person. And the group is really good. I mean, they're all they're all good seasoned racers, so they know the yeah. sport. But they also bring a lot of other things to the. Uh, to, to Florida Extreme, you know, they, between our, what we know how to do in web and programming and promotions and graphics and um, boats and all the other things. So everybody has something that they bring to the group. And um, we're kind of operating, I guess we're operating more like a club um, than a company because there's a lot yeah. of people participating. And, um, and, and my vision, um, which is, which is, you know, we've all got a different vision to it, but my vision is shared that we want to bring it out to more people. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's why we're doing the family races. And we, we were doing row gains and paddle runs and scavenger hunts and um, those, you know, different things. So, in, in with it. Yeah. So do you, I mean, I, quite honestly, it's obvious, but, being experienced, do you know? Do you think you have a good feeling of how hard to make it? 
because it's a pretty fine line because because you definitely want it hard for the for the elite let's call them elite i don't like that word but but you also need to make it so that the others can get through too yeah, so well, how we, do you kind of do well, that what we do is we actually have multiple races we um on a day of a race we will set um sometimes two three different races and um we have what we call family class, sport class, and elite class. And I'm pretty much the elite class is, you know, no holds barred, anything goes. We don't really want anybody who's brand new to the sport, um, you know, first race to come out and even try an elite because um, they typically don't have a very good experience. It's, they can, yeah. you know, because experience plays a lot in this sport. I mean, if, yes. if you get out there and you don't know how to mark a UTM on a map and then they give you the maps and you're looking at it, what are we supposed to do with these? <laughs> they're not in the right place but yeah. um so you have different classes and you work your way up so i say you know if, if, if somebody's coming out and you know the, the, the thing you hear a lot i'm a very mm-hmm. good triathlete um you yeah. know i'm solid athletically i can do it iron man and like but you won't finish an elite adventure race you just won't finish but yeah. i'm i'm athletically capable but you won't finish you need to understand because it's not about the athleticism it's about the other skills that you have to have and so we push them into the sport, let them learn a little bit, um, sport class, let them learn a little bit and have a good experience. And they'll progress up because their athleticism will help and they'll start learning how to do the things like to navigate and paddle a boat. I mean, I, I had the funniest, I, I, when I'm setting a race, I had this really, really solid group of triathletes. And they just, the, the run, it started with a run, it was on an eight-mile run, and they just flew through the run and had you know, maybe a 20-minute lead over the next team. And they hopped in the boat, and it wasn't going to be a hard boat. They got in the boat, and I watched it go to one side of the river, and then the other side, and then back to the other side, and then back to the other side. <laughs> back, um, it was, you can't zigzag zag down a river and do well, so they, you know, they just didn't know how to steer a, steer a canoe. Yeah. And, of course, they ended up getting passed by everybody. And uh, they came out of the water, and they were cursing, and they were cursing more at each other because right, you yeah. think you're at a paddle canoe, you know. It's just, but you know, you still want the experience to be good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you want it there. So I have to. I think I've told the story before, but I got to tell my quick UTM story. Uh-huh. So the first first adventure race Paulette did was a Adventure Extreme in Colorado, twelve hour. Uh-huh. So we up there, we get the maps the night before, and we're sitting there. And let's put it this way. We had, we had seen the letters UTM in that order in a book. <laughs> but, to ta- but to take that little square of plastic and try and figure it out on the map, I mean, we, I think we sat there for three hours. Finally, we figured out, okay, the finish is this number, and here's we know where the finish is. <laughs> Oh yeah. yeah, that kind of makes sense. But <laughs> now it's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, then it was a little, it was a little frustrating. But <laughs> so, so yeah, that, well, that first, that first time with UTMs is, is a, you know, that, that's something. Especially when sometimes when you have to in a race when you have to plot on the clock, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you guys do like clinics and things like that as part oh, of yeah. your? So. We do, and we have workshops and clinics, and uh, um, we we try to, and that's part of your bringing the sports up to the elite level is teaching them mm-hmm. some of the things that they have to be able to know how to do. Um, yeah. We kind of re, we if you're going to do elite, you really need to know bike maintenance, plotting UTMs, yeah. decent navigation, and you know, and everybody that's a navigator knows all the different techniques of navigation, how to you know how to use a backstop and a handrail, and 
in attack points and but you know those are all words that if you're not don't know orient, orienteering your navigation you're like what an attack point Wait, yeah what's that oh that's that's a website i've been there <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like oh we don't yeah. know what to do there yeah so well i mean sounds like you guys are doing a are are bringing people into the sport whether you got to bring them kicking and dragging so you know i hope i hope more i know there's a few teams in colorado or a few clubs that are trying that so because um, it's kind of if you look around it's like where are the where are the uh young 30 year olds where are they at where are they coming from well, you know, well you know uh we've had i've been down here to a number of the obstacle course and mud runs and um, you know, Warrior Dash last year drew, I think, 15,000 people wow. here in Florida. I mean, 15,000. Mm-hmm. Now, we could never handle, like, 15. I mean, we no. could handle 200 in an adventure race. Yeah. But, you know, that type of number is insane. But uh, And I went out and did it, and, you know, so it was pretty much I ran to a line, and then I waited in the line for about 10 minutes till I got to an obstacle, and then I mm-hmm. went across the obstacle, and then I ran about another... 400 yards to another op- line, which, which yeah. led to an obstacle. And um, the obstacles were fun. Um, I have a lot of them in my front yard. So mm-hmm. Bill, you know. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I don't. I don't actually need to go to a race to do these things. So uh, you know, because they're they're very good for training and, and helping with climbing. But um, whereas the experience I get in an adventure race, which especially being a navigator, you know, for navigators, it's that challenge. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, just finding those points and doing it the optimal route in the optimal way, and there's always a challenge. And no matter how good you get as a navigator, there's always that challenge of that one. You know, the, some of the points, and then you know when the maps aren't entirely perfect, accurate, and but, you know, navigators even mm-hmm. have their own language of how we deal with that. And, and, and you know, all the different classifications mm-hmm. of the of the people in adventure racing: you know, the mule, the navigator. Um, yeah. <laughs> there there are yep well how did you i mean you just you started just by going to a race how did you become and i i'll say it i think from what i know of you a pretty good navigator just practice um practice orienteering i actually practice i i set up courses for myself and try to go out you know i actually pick get a usgs map and go out pick points and on the usgs and i try to go out and find them and verify it with the with the um, you know, I just was, that was what I was doing today as I was out. Uh, I was mapping today, but you know, that's part of the mapping experience. Is I'm going to go over to here, or you know, making sure you know exactly where you are. And yeah. you know, yeah. orienteering helps a lot because you, if you're a good orienteer, you can probably do the navigation, even though it's different. It's still it's different, but the same. Yeah, the yeah. concepts are still the same. And uh, the challenge, and you know, my biggest challenge is in adventure racing navigation is. Dealing with the level of fatigue you get. I mean, your brain gets cloudy. Yeah. And, you know, you're, I've, I've, I went to Nationals one year. I was holding the map upside down, and it was obviously <laughs> upside down. Yeah. And I was arguing with my teammates that we were going north when we were actually going south. But I was convinced we were going north. Yeah. And my map was upside down. And um, I, mean, I was just so delirious and tired that, um, and then finally I said, Ron, you need to sit down. You know, let me give you a five-hour energy, and I sat down, and then I saw look at the map, going, we're going the wrong way. <laughs> so, we can go the other way. Why didn't you guys tell me? 
and they're like, yeah, 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 we know. <laughs> my, and I tell me if you've done this because I know you have, but you're on the map, you're on, and maybe even just training because I've done it a lot just when we're out training, but you can make anywhere you look, uh, train-wise, look exactly like where you want it to be on the map. Oh, yeah. You can convince yourself, <laughs> this, is, this is where I want to be. Therefore, yep, I am that's, there. Yep, that's that re-entrant there. Well, okay, it's a little off, but I know that's the one. <laughs> reality be damned, I want to be at this location, therefore we are yep. here. It's just yep. the control point is not in the right location. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> damn race director, he didn't put it in the right place yeah. again. <laughs> well, I mean, I find for myself, I'll just, even just out hiking on a trail that, you know, you know, we have the trail right in front of our house I may be on, but I'll take a map and just, just, follow along while I'm hiking just because there becomes a certain point to me, especially with train, no offense, that all of us, like every once in a while, and it's getting a little bit more and more for me, is I'm seeing it on the map the way it looks in real life. Uh-huh. Um, no, that's the challenge. <laughs> that's, that's the challenge, and it's really cool when it happens, and it's just like, okay, not to, not to, okay, we all know I'm not going to go racing because I'm a pussy when it comes to water, but <laughs> it still is fun to know where you're going. Well, you know, you could so. always, I, I think the, the way to, to, to train for being entirely sleep deprived is probably just uh, um, some, some evening when it's dark, uh, take a uh, Vaseline, hear them over a pair of glasses, put the glasses on, and then drink six beers and go out and try to navigate. <laughs> you well, you know what? Your, some people. You, yeah, if you can keep your wits about you doing that, then you might be able to do it after you know sixty hours of no sleep. You know, it kind of sounds like a fun race, though. Yeah. <laughs> so, I would like to. Yeah. I, I do like a beer in the race. That's uh, you know, I don't need a lot of, but you know, one for some reason, just uh, especially when you get that hyped. You know, I don't know if you if you ever in it when you you're so fatigued that you're wired. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just, yeah. You're in, and uh, you just everything is overstimulating you, and um, you know it's very hard to focus or think or focus on yeah. any one thing or keep a straight so, thought. Or mm-hmm. so, what you're saying is, I need to start carrying a beer in my pack along with the Pepsi that I carry. Yeah, yeah um, <laughs> you know, or maybe um, you know, just even a little shot of whiskey. It tends to be um, very good at relaxing. Yeah. To, uh, but See, I actually do. I like to. Just having a beer, though, and it, I usually do it in the transition area, and you have, a, you know, even yeah. if it's a half a beer, just a little bit, huh. um, and it tends to get that. Only when you get to that wired thing. Of course, that also yeah. might be the fact that, you know, downing two or three five-hour energies at once, too, might be a little bit of causing that. But Yeah, that could be that. <laughs> yeah, the, the yeah. caffeine overstimulation that happens a few times. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I got a question for you, since you've been in this for... 20 years did we decide what's the uh what's the best um improvement in gear in 20 years oh in gear yeah Um, bikes have improved but i actually think um i think race packs have come a long way i mean Mm -hmm. we used to race in essentially a backpack um, yeah. that you had, um, you know, we had a water bladder that may or may not work. It never sealed. 
the old backpacks mm-hmm. back then. They had I mean, Camelback had actually had a real Camelback backpack. They they didn't stay shut because you had you twisted them, you screwed them in, and you hoped you got a good seal. And the little nozzles came off like with just a <laughs> tiny little pull. And yeah. you'd find out always in the race that you've lost the nozzle and all your water is drained somewhere that you don't know where. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or it's in your pack. That's been good. Um, what else? Oh, lights. Oh, my God. Yeah. Lights are yeah. good. I mean, we used to have to carry a spare bulb. That was <laughs> mandatory gear when I started racing was a spare uh. bulb for your flashlight. And, um, I mean, you would turn your flashlight on and you were pretty much able to read the map that was yeah. about it as far as actually yeah. seeing terrain you best better have night vision and yeah. now we have lights that you turn on and people are jumping out of the way because they think cars coming <laughs> yeah it's that's pretty amazing i mean i i can remember going out for night rides with taking plastic pvc plumbing and making a holder for a five cell mag light yeah <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's what we did yep Oh, God, the old days, they sucked. Yeah, it was like, oh, we have 1,800 lumens. I'm like, I remember when we had 20. Yeah, and it was and a we, nice, soft, yellow glow. It was a nice, soft, yellow glow, and my batteries would last a good hour or two. Yep, yeah, there's that. So, um, okay, here's, here's the standard question that I have to ask everybody, because once in a while when I don't, somebody calls me on it. Oh. The... Um, which is nice to know that at least somebody's listening. Uh, your best and worst six hours ever racing. Best and worst. Yeah. Uh, well, the worst for sure was the last six hours of the trek over in the Primal Quest 2000, I think eight, in Montana. Mm-hmm. We had to do. Um, uh, it was the, it was the third trek. It was it was where. I remember Team Apex, we heard the helicopters coming and getting them out, and then um, Team Travel Country had just been pulled out of the race because Don Netlow had gotten lost. We headed up into the mountains, and I had tendonitis in my legs so bad, I literally thought my leg was going to split in half. Of course, I was sleep-deprived, so that actually seemed like a reality. Um, mm-hmm. Kent Bullicott was carrying my pack. I had cut a hole in my shoe and tied a piece of rope to the shoe, at the front and then tied that piece of rope up to my pack to hold my, my feet forward so that the, uh, they couldn't extend forward as I was going down the hill because it hurt so bad. <laughs> and um, I, I was literally asking them to just leave me there and I didn't want to go any further. It was, I, I mean, I was just so ready to be done. And everybody in the, in the race had had their, their down moments in that race because mm-hmm. it's just designed to do that to you. And um, they just, you know, like, keep moving keep moving and we got to the end and i got to the medical truck and they go oh man you've got some serious issues here we're going to pump you up you know you're going to be taking this dose of ibuprofen and this dose of acetaminophen and we're going to we're going to bind your legs so that it, you know you can't have any more issues and i made it through a second track and i actually finished but that was that was so so down i mean oh. it, but but that was one you know, you know there was a couple there's one other one that was the one where um, the team wouldn't let me go on because I had been puking for like two hours on the side of the road from heat exhaustion, and but I'd refused the ride in the ambulance because I wanted to be able to continue racing. And at some point, I had to just get, you know, I had to have the realization that I wasn't going to be able to continue. Those two were bad. Yeah. yeah. And then, but, but, 
we'll get to the good part, but when you're that sick and you finally realize it, do you really re- you do really realize though that you're like I can't go. I mean, I just can't do anymore. Well, that, you know, they they had said that the, there was a paramedic there, and he goes, "All right, if you can get on that bicycle and you can go ten yards on that bicycle, then we'll let you continue." And he knew perfectly well that was never going to happen. So I got a, yeah. I got my feet over the bike, and I got my other foot off the ground, and then went down. And I just for my for some reason my mind it could not it could not understand why I could not keep the bicycle up. Um, probably because my legs had no energy to make it go forward, so I was just standing still. And I'd fall over, and I'd skin myself up pretty good, and I did it a second time. And then I just like, you know, um, I can't do this. And I was completely delirious because I had been without sleep for about 50 hours and uh, had nothing, you know, nothing in me. I mean, everything in my body had been purged. So, um, But, you know, that's what it is. <laughs> and, yeah, that, yeah. and they, you know, they just, the team said, We're gonna, we'll pull you from the race, and they... You know, I got a little IV, and I felt better about three days later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I couldn't do anything for three days. It was pretty bad. Yeah, but so. um, best though, um, yeah. the finish line of Expedition Idaho. That was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing was... like that. Was so cool. <laughs> There's nothing like yeah. actually. You know, you know, everybody hits that adventure racing. It's finished a race. Big yep. race, ten days out there, and they get there, and there's like eight people there clapping for them, and you know, mm-hmm. maybe some people taking pictures. If you're pictures, lucky, yeah. if you're lucky, and yeah. you know, you come up to this finish line, and you come over the. I mean, it was just it was because we were pretty delirious at that point too. We had a, had yeah. a pretty decent night's sleep the night before because of the way it was set up, and yeah. we all had at least four or five hours of sleep. But you come over that little hilltop with your team, and you see the finish thing, and then you look on the side of the mountain, and there's like a thousands of people and they're mm-hmm. all cheering and you're like wow yeah. and, 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 and you know it didn't dawn on me that they're having a beer fest but it did dawn on <laughs> me after we actually got through the finish line and everybody started handing me beers yeah. oh yeah this is a good thing too so yeah that, i gotta say that was a from just from watching you guys finish i, I could see how how important that was I, I don't know if important's the right word, but how how moved everybody was it, by it. Just, you know, you're so used to being out there and on your own, and you and you enjoy the whole point of being out there with your team, and that's what you do. And your team yeah. goes through ups and downs, and there's arguments and fights, and then you're euphoric and all that. But you know, at that stage, you've been through all these emotional highs and lows, and everybody knows does expedition racing knows exactly how that you know how all that works. You. You will be low and you will be high, and it will all happen within you know the span of the race. Yeah. But at the end of the race, and usually at the end of the race is kind of like a, you know, it's not like a letdown. It's just oh, oh thank God it's over. And yeah. uh, at that stage, you're ready for it to be over. But when you come through is that, and you see all these people, and they're actually cheering you, um, it just you know that morale boost is just incredible. What it does. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that was a pretty so, much that was a high too. You know, get up there. I wasn't. I don't even remember most of it, but I do remember coming over and seeing that crowd and thinking, well, what are all these people here for? Hey, <laughs> this is <was> good. <laughs> yeah, that's so, cool. So um, so you said you're going to, going to Expedition Alaska this year. You got anything else going uh, on, planned? <laughs> well, right now, running, um, helping get Florida Extreme you know, running and off the yeah. ground. <laughs> I got race every weekend for pretty much uh, the next year. <laughs> yeah, so... Well, um, well, is that you're not 
you're not retiring. You're just going to take some time to get. Oh, I'm get, definitely not retiring. Yeah. I I will be dead yeah. before I retire. I'll probably still yeah. be racing when I'm dead. You know, put me in the casket yeah. and just put me on the bike and let it roll. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's it's one of those things that uh, you know I've been doing it for so long, and you know, even in my fifties now, um, you know, just I want to. You know, today, it's like, what did I want to do? Yeah. I wanted to get out in the woods and you know, yeah. check out what I was going to do for the next race and mapping. And and then the competition aspect of it is is that uh, I can't keep up with um, the young ones, that uh, the younger racers. And I know that's always going to be a reality. They're going to be faster. Yeah. And they're going to get faster and faster as I get slower and slower. That's but I'm still mm-hmm. going to enjoy the competition of, of racing. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. just so much fun and you know and the challenge in races in adventure races which makes it so wonderful and this is what really does make it wonderful is people do compete against other teams teams compete but the reality for yeah. most of the teams is they're competing against the course you know, yeah. the course is the challenge and, yeah. it, and it's what you do so you're not and that's why the teams I mean all the adventure racing teams unlike some of the sports that I've, I've been involved with, I won't name any right here, but some of the sports, you know, there's this, you know, there's this friction amongst the different athletes and competing. And you go to the beginning of an adventure race, and you may, you may be racing against that other team, but you go over and you shake hands, and you're genuinely happy to see them. Yeah. You know, yeah. You, know, you, all, it, you all share it, something very much in common. Yeah. It's, you know, it's the AR family. I mean, it that's is. a simple way to put it, so... Yeah, and you all yeah, know, and, and the family is really the family because of, we've all gone through, everybody that's done this has gone through something that other people can't even understand. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's this rite of passage going through an expedition level race, and you just immediately, if somebody comes and says to you, if you just meet somebody and they go, oh yeah, I did uh, such and such, you're like, oh you did, you know, you're just immediately, they're immediately friends, you know, just, yeah. that's how it works. Pretty much exactly, yeah. So, I mean, that is, you go to the race and, you know, you got lots of things to do, but you still just, you, there's just, you just take that time to get in contact with everybody again, so. Yep. That's my favorite part. Well, of course, my favorite part is I don't have to race, so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to deal with gear and sorting stuff out, and so, you know, I, well, that's, I do have a wish. I, I would like to see a U.S. team win Worlds one while I'm still alive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so. Sometime in my lifetime, I want to see somebody just like go Tagno. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Whoever can pull so. it off. So. I, but, I, you know, we we have a disadvantage because, you know, we're just it's such a niche sport, but we've got some. I mean, I, you know, you go to Worlds and you look in. I think I was a little guilty of this. You think, oh, God, Seagate, you know, Thule, whoever. And then you start to realize that Kyle and Mary and, and you know, Jason, Rob, all those guys, they're just as good as they, as everybody else. I mean, They are. The the problem is that Seagate is really good and they're really, really lucky. You know, <laughs> to, to me, I mean, you know, like they hit the tides perfect. Well, that gains them a couple hours. And, they, you know, they, you know, a little, one little mistake in navigation, you know, cost them three, three, four hours, and you know, you know how that then just uh, yeah. multiplies over the race. So um, they're just yeah, but it's just yeah. something that I've kind of learned that yeah, they're our guys are just you guys are just as good as they are. We just need a little luck. 
So I love watching <laughs> Seagate sad. too. I met I met uh, Nathan yeah. at uh, in Seagate at the uh, Idaho race, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things in yeah. the way the race was structured, we actually got to see him a few times out on the course. And one thing that I yeah. I never under I mean, I was like, how did this guy go so fast? And you now biking with him, and actually alongside him on biking, and we're actually going uphill, and we crest the hill, and we have a massive downhill getting ready to go. And downhill to me is you coast and pray <laughs> that you're not going to die. And yeah. you're going down the hill, and you use your brakes every now and then if you need to control your speed. They were pedaling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, no, you don't try to go faster. That will kill you. But they were <laughs> pedaling. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I get it. <laughs> yep. That's it. And, and, uh, and it, it helps it. I don't know if you saw the video of Sophie stealing the water from. They're stealing the water. They're they're incredibly strong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Impatient and incredibly strong. So yeah. maybe that, that's the secret that. to adventure like, racing. So I, I so just because I saw her do that, I'm like you know, I, that was like a half full five gallon. I mean, one of those half full things. I was looking yeah. at her like, okay, yeah. how hard would that be to do? So I went and took a water bottle, and I filled it up half full, and then I reached out with my arm and tried to pick it up, and I'm like, she's strong. <laughs> <laughs> So, well, and I tell people that it was a good thing for um, for Mimi too, because then she started just dipping the water bottles in there, so they they yep. got faster too. So it was a win win for everybody. <laughs> so, so, um, so let's uh, you know this is uh, this is fun. It's good talking to you. But um, so, are where can people go if they are interested in uh, doing any of your races? Um, we're FL, flxadventures.com. Okay. And uh, oh. um, we've got a good, I mean, we have a calendar of, I mean, we have a full calendar of races. It's uh, yeah. pretty much, but what we're doing more than just adventures, we got adventure and road game, pretty much all the adventure outdoor sports we're trying to cover mm-hmm. a little bit of. And okay. um, so, you know, the big adventure races are all up there, the C2C and the Blue Ridge Adventure Race and um, the Howl at the Moon is coming back, and I'm going to probably try to set the Atlantic Coast Conquest next year. Not this year because I'm pretty busy, but um, yeah. you know some of my favorite races that we haven't run in a while. The Atlantic Coast Conquest was always one of my favorites because I get to take people through some of the, the, the funnest mangroves. Well, funnest, <laughs> the most fun, the most abusing mangrove swamps that you yeah. ever go through. But it was always a challenge, and you can only get that in a, in a race of about 30 hours. You can only get that far out there, so. No, I was going to say, it sounds, I don't know about mangrove and fun to some people, <laughs> but you know, okay, we'll so, see. Huh? So, so you need to keep, know how to read tides, yes. and uh, when you're in low tide, it's very muddy, and it's very hard to get through. <laughs> exactly. So. I spent the night in the mangrove swamp uh, many times now, so um, it, huh. we've got them. There you go. So, um, and uh, sometimes those boats aren't that comfortable for sleeping, are they? No, the canoes are definitely not that much fun to sleep in, especially when you're in a mangrove swamp. Because the one other thing that comes with mangrove swamps is hordes of mosquitoes. <laughs> uh, you're doing a you're doing a great job of selling the race. Well, that's uh, <laughs> I'm going to try to time it so they get there at a decent time for tide. But uh, you know, I, that was my early days of adventure racing, and I had no concept of of how to read a tide table or actually time out where even be on the right side of the uh of the lagoon you know there's there's huh. there's you know people who've been paddling for a while and i know it now it's like okay so if we're on this side of the lagoon we're going to be going into the wind and if we're on this side of the lagoon we're going to have calm water 
let's go to the wrong side of the lagoon and paddle against the 20 mile an hour headwind and see how far we can get. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, you, know, just, so, you know, just common sense stuff now. It wasn't common yeah. sense then. Well, that brings us back to that. There's a lot of stuff you got to learn to get into the elite group. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so, well, cool. Well, I'm going to let you go because it's getting late where you're at and I'm going to, I need to get, take the chili dog out for a hike yet tonight. So, um, we always close. I always like to close the podcast by telling you to go fast and take chances. So, I just did. I do. <laughs> All right. So, well, I don't know if I'll. I don't know if I'm going to see you anywhere this year or not, but there's well, always I'll, a chance, right? I'll be Alaska, and uh, I mean, my next would be a C to C, but that's going to be a totally different experience from the uh, yeah. other side of the, uh, the so, director's yeah. side. So. Well, it'll be interesting. I'll be, we might have to talk later because I'll be curious to see how you, the directors look at a race like that after it's over. Because yeah. I'm sure there's things that, you, that it's gonna, you're going to see in a whole different light. Well, it's my third one directing. So I've raced, so, I've raced yeah. or directed every single one of them. So. Oh, well, then you never mind. I don't want to talk to you again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know, you learn something every time you direct the race. You also learn that yeah. the... Um, Adventure races will always find the one thing that you didn't think of. No matter Isn't how that amazing? You are. Yep. I didn't like the one bridge that you don't X out in Worlds, they'll all find, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Every single team will hit that one bridge. Yeah. Read, well, yep. I, I read the, the passport that you know somebody posted to the internet. I'm like, I want to cross that bridge. <laughs> so, I wasn't going to go down that jungle and swim across yep. the river. That's insane. So, yeah, I mean... It is, but you're exactly right. There will be things you've never even thought about that will come up. But you know what? On that one, Randy, if it was my team, yeah. we would have said, take the damn penalty. We'll go across the bridge. Well, well, you know, and that was part of it, actually, is that some people didn't think the penalty was big enough. Yeah. If it, saved you, it saved you two hours. Well, that's really only a two-hour penalty. Yeah. And then they didn't have to serve a penalty. It was just more time in the TA, so. Yep. So. Yep. So cool. All right. Thank you for for a really cool chat. Thanks. Talk to you later. So, okay. Bye. Bye.
high school drifter with a fastball on. We talk all night on the hood of my car. Made promises we couldn't keep under a million stars. It was the best of times. We took it to the end of the line. Shine the way they did, but we both know. 